0: Welcome to Wrestling With Theology. My name is Doug Minton. I am your host. I am the pastor at Redeemer Evangelical Lutheran Church in Robbinsdale, Minnesota, as well as a lifelong wrestling fan. Wrestling With Theology wrestles with the history of pro wrestling as well as the theology of the Lutheran Church. Today's wrestling spotlight is Skandar Akbar. Jimmy Saeed Weba is better known as Skandar Akbar. He has Arabic roots with a Lebanese father and a Syrian-American mother. We began wrestling in 63. He changed his name to Skandar Akbar at Fritz von Erich's suggestion to sound more Arabic. Skandar Akbar translates into Alexander the Great. In the late 70s, Akbar had a brief run in the WWF with Freddie Blassie as his manager. While he worked mostly as a heel, Akbar did have a face run in Australia's World Championship Wrestling in the mid-70s, where he primarily feuded with the Great Mephisto. He retired from active wrestling in 77 and returned to Dallas to manage. As a wrestler, he held the NWA Tri-State North American and NWA Australasian heavyweight titles. He also held a handful of tag team championships: NWA Georgia with Ox Baker, NWA Macon twice, NWA Tri-States US Tag Team Titles with Danny Hodge, and NWA's Australasian Tag Team Title. But Akbar is most well known as a villainous manager in Texas and Oklahoma. He was such a great heel manager that he actually received death threats for his hatred of the Von Erich brothers. In Bill Watts's Mid-South, his stable was called Akbar's Army, which included Ted DiBiase, Buddy Landell, Steve Williams, Hercules Hernandez, and a few others. He managed Devastation Incorporated in world-class and UWF, which included Kamala, One Man Gang, King Kong Bundy, Cactus Jack, P.Y. Chuhai, Great Kabuki, and many others. In 91, he became a prominent figure in the world-class USWA feud, especially when it came to Eric Embry. In 94, Akbar once again turned face to manage Kevin Von Erich for a few weeks in Global Wrestling Federation, before turning on him. ...when Kevin decided to retire. Akbar would retire shortly afterwards himself. He began a wrestling school in Terrell, Texas. Akbar died on August 19, 2010... ...from prostate cancer. Akbar was one of those managers... ...you just loved to hate. Which what's what made him... ...so great of a heel. is He came in... ...to world class as the man who was going to get rid of the sniveling Von Erich brothers. So he had guys like King Kong Bundy, like Kabuki, like Kamala to do just that. And so, Akbar is one of those. He represented the stereotype of the Middle Eastern Arab uh, oil baron very well. And especially as we had issues with oil and oil production and prices in the 70s and 80s and early 90s. Akbar was a key figure in wrestling's portrayal of what was going on in society from that villainous standpoint, and he did it very well. As we close the wrestling profile, a reminder of farther along the chapel devotions that will be starting the 14th of January, uh, Monday through Friday, uh, using the order of matins to bring us the small catechism in a little bit deeper vein so that we can understand farther along. I'll be back in a moment with this month's common ground in the catechism of the Catholic Church. We enter part one of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. We look at the profession of faith, as brought about in the Apostles' Creed. The initial paragraph in this part says, We begin our profession of faith by saying, I believe, or we believe. Before expounding the Church's faith as confessed in the Creed, celebrated in the liturgy, and lived in observance of God's commandments and in prayer, we first ask what to believe means. Faith is man's response to God, who reveals himself and gives himself to man, at the same time bringing man a superabundant light as he searches for the ultimate meaning of his life. Thus, we shall consider first that search, then the divine revelation by which God comes to meet man, and finally the response of faith. The biggest problem of this is the Roman Catholic definition gives us the opportunity to bring works into faith faith is my response to god not god's gift to me and this is where we differ this is where the root of the split between luther and the roman church of his time that's where it came down what does faith mean what does it mean to believe is it me doing it or is it god doing it through the holy spirit Luther came down on the side that it was God doing it by the Holy Spirit. Each chapter of the Catechism of the Catholic Church has an in-brief section summarizing the entire chapter in bullet point format. So this is how we will do these common grounds. Uh, So we begin with the in-brief for this chapter, uh, paragraph 44 of the Catechism, where it says, Man is by nature and vocation a religious being, Coming from God, going toward God, man lives a fully human life only if he freely lives by his bond with God. We have no problem with saying that man is a religious being. No problem at all. And as we look back to the Catechism, it says in paragraph 27, The desire for God is written in the human heart because man is created by God and for God and God never ceases to draw man to himself. Paragraph 28. In many ways throughout history down to the present day, men have given expression to their quest for God in their religious beliefs and behavior, in their prayers, sacrifices, rituals, meditations, and so forth. These forms of religious expression, despite the ambiguities they often bring with them, are so universal that one may well call man a religious being. Man was made in the image of God. And man has always sought that image back again. All throughout history, you have society after society having some sort of religious expression up until now where modern science has given rise to the first primarily atheistic society. Now we want to go into what we can find out through our five senses, through empirical science, instead of what God has revealed to us. We want to get rid of God and explain the world without him. But this is the, as I said, this is the first time that we have had this type of society where God is not present. Because God has always been available in man's mind. Because we understand that we aren't perfect or all-powerful. The rituals and the doctrines that have arisen, regardless of right, wrong, good or bad, have all arisen to appease these ideas of not being perfect, of there being something greater than us that brings everything out into its proper balance. So man is a religious being. There is no question about that. The question becomes when we talk about the bond that we have with God. And that bond comes out in paragraph 45. Man is made to live in communion with God in whom he finds happiness. When I am completely united to you, there will be no more sorrow or trials. Entirely full of you, my life will be complete. Quoting St. Augustine's Confessions. We have this in the scriptures at the beginning and at the end. We have in the Garden of Eden, God coming down and walking in the midst of the Garden in the cool of the day to converse with Adam and Eve. We have at the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 21, uh, where a loud voice from the throne says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Man has always sought for a utopia. This communion with God. This perfect society. And we will not have it until Jesus comes back. When the dwelling place of God is with man. It happens after Jesus has judged the world. And the new heavens and the new earth are created. So we have this deep longing for God in our being. But how do we know what this longing is supposed to go to? Paragraph 46 of the Catechism tells us, When he listens to the message of creation and to the voice of conscience, man can arrive at certainty about the existence of God, the cause and the end of everything. This is the natural revelation of God. We can look out at the world, we can look at the complexities that are built into every single living thing, And realize there has to be somebody who designed this. This did not all happen by accident. But this is not saving faith. Just the knowledge of there being a God does not save you. You have to know the God who saves you. But here we go back to Rome. Reminding us that we are supposed to be semi-Pelagian at least. In that man has part in his conversion, in his salvation. Uh, Paragraph 35 of the Catechism. Man's faculties make him capable of coming to a knowledge of the existence of a personal God. But for man to be able to enter into real intimacy with him, God willed both to reveal himself to man and to give him the grace of being able to welcome this revelation in faith. The proofs of God's existence, however, can predispose one to faith and help one to see that faith is not opposed to reason. The Catholic Church tries to blend faith and reason, which many people try to split apart. And yes, you can rationally understand there is a God, and maybe personal in the fact that they have to have some sort of personality that has brought them to designing the world in this way. But what else do you know about this God? Nothing. You can only get so far in the revelation through nature and through conscience. So the catechism goes on in paragraph 47. The church teaches that the one true God, our creator and Lord, can be known with certainty from his works by the natural light of human reason. This comes from Vatican I. Still allows for the Pelagian impact on there, as it says in paragraph 36, Our Holy Mother the Church holds and teaches that God, the first principle and last end of all things, can be known with certainty from the created world by the natural light of human reason. Without this capacity, man would not be able to welcome God's revelation. Man has this capacity because he is created in the image of God. So this is where the Roman Catholics want to take the image of God: is that this is what allows us to have faith, which is great. But not total. We need the divine revelation of scriptures in order to know all of this. And it goes on in paragraphs 48 and 49 to remind us that human understanding and knowledge cannot expound the entirety of the mysteries of the divine God. Paragraph 48. We really can name God, starting from the manifold perfections of his creatures, which are likenesses of the infinitely perfect God, even if our limited language cannot exhaust the mystery. Paragraph 49. Without the creator, the creature vanishes. This is the reason why believers know that the love of Christ urges them to bring the light of the living God to those who do not know him or who reject him. This is the key to Roman Catholic evangelism, is that we need to bring the light of God's love to to the people who do not know or have rejected him from being their Lord and Creator, and we agree with this. We have issues with their definition of faith, but for the most part, our understand, our being able to understand God as being limited is something we agree with with the Roman Catholics. We'll pick this up again next month as we dive further into man's relation with God, especially through the faith. Confessed in the Creed. Thank you for your time and listening to this podcast. If you'd like to hear more, go back to our archives to hear the previous episodes of Wrestling with Theology, also hear Sunday morning sermons from Redeemer. If you're in the Twin Cities area on Sunday morning, you are welcome to join us at Redeemer Evangelical Lutheran Church at 4201 Regent Avenue North in Robbinsdale, just off of the corner of 42nd Avenue and Highway 100. Just look for Jesus blessing the travelers along the road. Our services are at 9 a.m. We have Bible study at 10.30 following the service. With coffee hour in between, we encourage you anytime you are in the area to join us for worship and to wrestle with theology with